Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Junction 28 Church. We're so glad that you've decided to join us today and know that God wants to bless you with this message. We'd love to hear about it, so why not tell us on our Facebook or Twitter pages? If you would like further information about who we are, check out our website www.thejunction28church.com. We hope you enjoy this message. about the importance of vision. The importance of vision. Now, I'm not going to talk about natural vision. Of course, natural vision is really, really important, isn't it? Um, I don't know how many, how many people here have uh, worked in a colliery. Anybody? Anybody? You know, that's a, perhaps one. Yeah, you know, a few years ago, loads of hands would have come up, wouldn't they? Well, how many people have been down a colliery? Any, well, that's better. Yeah, well, a few years ago, well, a few years, you know, time flies, doesn't it? <laughs> well, many years ago, I had opportunity to go down a pit, as they would say. Um, and they took us down. I mean, the, the lift down those shafts, just, you know, you go down and your heart stays at the top. <laughs> Straight up. We went down, we went right down um, and came out of the, uh, of the lift shaft, walked around. And after we'd walked around for a bit, I was quite amazed just how bright it is down there and warm. But after we'd been going round for quite a bit, uh, the guy who was taking us round says, I want to show you just how dark it is without the lights. So we had these, you know, little torches on our cap, and so all those were switched off. And then they switched the main lights off. And the place was just plunged into absolute blackness. Absolute. You, you, were, you couldn't move. You were just frozen where you were. If you'd have put your hand right up to your face, you wouldn't have seen it. It was absolutely black. There was nothing, nothing revealed until they put the lights on. What a difference vision makes. What a difference when what was black is revealed by the light. What was unseen suddenly becomes absolutely clear. That, so that is what happened in our lives when we became Christians. That's just a little taste of what happened in our lives. Our lives, friends, were completely in darkness. They were black. You know, I know that, you know, people... You know, there are, there are some people who are better than others morally. But ultimately, friends, in the eyes of God, even, even our righteousness was just like filthy rags. It was nothing. It was black. Until God shone his light into our hearts. Hallelujah. He just, he just opened it all up. And that that was black suddenly became glorious, beautiful light. 
fact got to do with vision? Well, I want to speak from a particular verse this morning that the Lord has laid upon my heart. And I'm, I'm going to read it from the King James Version to start with, for all as oldies. Um, and then I'm going to, they're going to actually put up the new King James Version. But this is, this is the verse, Proverbs 29 and verse 18 says this. This is the writer Solomon with all his wisdom. He says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keeps the law happy is he. Where there is no vision, the people perish. In the Hebrew, the word vision there is possibly better translated as it is um, in the New King James Version, which we're going to put up in a moment. And the word perish, we think about perish. You know, when I think about perish, we think about something that has become worthless, which is lost. It, it means more than that in this verse. So if we put up, the, we've got it up now, where there is no revelation, where there is no revealing of God, where there is no revealing of God's purposes and plans in our lives, the people cast off restraint. Another word there for cast off restraint is that they are loose. Not loosed in the sense, not loosed in the sense of being free. That's a good sense. In, you know, there is a, a sense where that is really good to be free, to be at liberty, but loosed in the sense where there is no control, where there is no revelation. The people lose restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law, or Happy is he who is directed by the word. Now I have heard, as I'm sure many of you have, who have um, been church for some time, I have heard this text spoken of numerous, numerous times. I've heard it spoken of with lots of commendation in the sense that we, we need to have vision to evangelize. We need to have vision to move forward. We need to dream big. But often, and sadly, only part of the verse is mentioned. Only the first part there, where he, de where he declares, where there is no vision, the people perish. I want to say, friends, that when we... When we are looking at Scripture, when we are reading the Word of God, there are two things that are really important. There's a lots of things, but two things that I just want to point out this morning. And the first is that we must always, always read the Word and apply the Word in context. You can't, you know, it's, you can't just take a verse out and apply it to whatever you want it to be. The word, friends, has to be read and applied within the context, within the framework of what it is, what it is saying. Otherwise, you find a situa situation where 
people just apply it anywhere they like and to, until in the end you find that people are saying, well, that contradicts that and, and, and that verse contradicts that verse. It, that will not happen if you read and apply the word in the context. And then secondly, the other thing that is really important is that when we are reading the word, when we are applying the word, that we read the whole sentence. Because it really is important. These two parts that come together in this verse are really, really important. See, if you look at Proverbs chapter 29 and look through it, and, and I suggest that at some point you do look through Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 29. But as you look through it, there is a whole range of contrasts. It, it's just full of contrasts all the way through. Um, and I was going to pull them up, uh, but time uh, doesn't permit. But it is full of contrasts. And those contrasts are there according to the choices that we make and what happens when we listen and act on those choices, or whether we choose to do our own thing uh, and don't listen to what is wise. And what Solomon is saying in verse 18 is that when there is no vision or revelation of God's purpose, people lose direction. And as a result, cast off restraint and the spiritual and moral compass that comes from the word of God is lost that's why you have to bring bring the two parts of that verse together because the word provides revelation and revelation comes from the word okay However God speaks, and thank God, friends, that God, I want to tell you, Nathan mentioned a, li a little earlier about the fact that when you're unchurched or when you're perhaps new to church, thinking about things like the presence of God can seem quite alien to you. And equally, talking about when God speaks, I'm just aware that there may be people here this morning who feel that God has never spoke to them. I want to tell you, God is eager to speak into your life. God wants to speak into your life. He wants to speak into the things that you're involved in. He wants to be involved in what might appear to everybody around you, mundane things within your life, but God wants to speak into those things within your life. And God speaks in many ways. God speaks, God speaks, as the scripture tells us, through prophecy. God gives words of wisdom and knowledge uh, through, through people within the church, through the church. God speaks, friends, through the preaching of the word. God, it says God has chosen the foolishness of preaching. Not foolish preaching, I have to say. The foolishness of of preaching what seems an insignificant thing God has used it friends to save the lost he's used it to speak into people's lives 
God speaks through visions, revelation. God speaks through dreams. Uh, but I want to say, and this is absolutely crucial, however God speaks, you can never separate revelation from the word. You can't separate whatever someone prophesies from the word of God. If, if that prophecy, if that revelation, if that vision, if that dream, friends, does not find its foundation and its principle and premise within this word, then we have to carefully, carefully examine it. Because to do, to do so, to, not, to, not to look at it, to depart from this word opens the church up to the mere ideas of man. No matter how, you know, they may be good, but it opens up to the, to the mere ideas of man and humankind and I have to say potential heresy. And what applies to us as individuals, as we apply the word, applies to the whole body of Christ and the influence that we should have on those outside the church. It comes by revelation. But when we have that revelation, when God reveals and leads us and guides us from the foundation that is the word of God, we are blessed. It says, happy is the man that keeps the law, or a better word for happy, blessed. Blessed is the man that keeps the law, that abides by the word. They are blessed with purpose, with direction, and with meaning in your lives. How important is that word, is that direction? How many of you, just of coincidence, how many of you know when speed limits were introduced on the motorways? I thought some of you might be driving, but... <laughs> 1965. 1965. I wasn't driving then. Um... I can remember, I can remember going down the motorway with, with, uh, with relatives and, uh, and the like and cars could travel as fast as the car could go. Whatever that car could go at, uh, and there were some, you know, there were some sporty cars. Nathan's looking at me and saying, well, didn't they, you know, didn't they have a red flag in front of them? No, no. <laughs> no, cars could go fast, couldn't they, David? You weren't driving in 1965 though, were you? <laughs> they could go as fast as they liked. They'd go 140, 150 mile an hour. It didn't matter. It didn't matter that they got to also stop <laughs> at some point in time. But the point that I'm making is where, there's no, where there was no guidance, where there was no rule book, they just, they just went as fast as they can. And friends, we... We need, we need guidance. We need, if you like, a rule book in our lives for the revelation that God gives to us. You know, the consequences of those speeds, hence the reason the speed limit was brought in, 
1965, the consequence, consequences were drastic. As I say, it's all right traveling at 140, 150 mile an hour down the motorway, but you've at some point got to stop. I want to look at some examples of the consequences when we don't have that revelation and when people lose that restraint upon their lives. Turn, I'm just going to turn to the Exodus chapter 19. And what has happened is that the people of Israel have come out of Egypt. Um, they're, in the, they're in the wilderness and they're traveling through. Uh, God has... God has given them, God has given them um, what is now known as the Ten Commandments. And, and God is speaking to Moses, and this is what he says. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore... If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of of Israel. I'm just going to stop there before we move on to verse 7 and say this, friends, what a precious place to be in for the children of Israel. And if you think that you've read those similar verses to that in the New Testament, you have. Because Peter, Peter uh, in his letters to the church, he says that exactly, almost exactly the same thing but to the church you church are a special people you are as a, a kingdom of priests to God in other words you are a kingdom of people who will intercede before God for the nations the church let's move on to verse 7 so Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded him. Then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So Mo Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. Just finish it there. So here we've got a people who are saying, Yeah, we recognize we are privileged. We really are privileged. And, and, and we're going to do it. We're going to do what God wants us to do. In chapter uh, 20, uh, uh, I was just mentioning the Ten Commandments. And I'm just going to uh, read for you the, the first two commandments that they were agreeing to, the children of Israel. It says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above 
or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Stay with me. Because if we jump forward into Exodus chapter 32, Moses is in the mountain, and he's been gone. He's been gone some time now, and the people collar uh, Aaron, and they say, look, we don't know what has happened to this man Moses. We, we know, he could have died for all we know in that mountain. Um, and so, Aaron, Aaron, we want you to make for us a God. Now, this is the people that just earlier have said, we're going to do everything that God wants us to do. We're going to follow the, this direction. We're going to follow this word that he has given us. This is the nation that God has said, don't make any graved image. Don't bow down to any graved image. And now they are pushing Aaron into a position where they make a golden calf. And they start falling down before it. And, and in actual fact, you read it. We haven't got time this morning, but read it in Exodus chapter 32. What happens is that without that direction, without that leadership, without the, without the restraint uh, that the word brings really into their lives, all restraint is lost. And the cons as a consequence, God is ready to start again. He's ready to wipe them out. To wipe them out. As it is, 3,000 people lost their lives. And but for the intercession of Moses and the mercy of God, they would all perish. Just one illustration. When we don't have the direction of the word, when the revelation of the word in our lives is lost. Fast forward 400 years. And in the time of Samuel. Samuel was only a young boy at this time. And 1 Samuel 3.1. This is what it says. And the child Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. Or there was no open revelation. In actual fact, that word, it's interesting. The word open there is a really interesting word in the Hebrew. What it means is there was no revelation, there was no vision that was uh, breaking out amongst the people. There was no revelation, there was no vision that was, that was changing how people lived. They were living without restraint. The sons of Eli, uh, the priest, they abused their position in the most despicable ways and ultimately, they and Eli lost their lives. And the ark of God, the place of God's presence, imagine this, the place of God's presence 
was taken by the Philistines. I mean, they were quick to hand it back because, you know, the presence of God brings judgment as much as it brings mercy to those who aren't right. Uh, and so they were quick to, to, to bring it back. But I, I, just want, I just want to illustrate for you the importance of revelation, of vision, and its connection, its absolute connection with the word uh, within our lives. I want to see also, as we were praying as well today, amongst the many signs uh, that are preparing us for the return of the Lord, and Jesus is coming again, friends. He is coming again. You know, the revelation that John wrote when he was on the Isle of Patmos, that revelation, that vision, that that God revealed to him, from uh, uh, of himself that revelation is coming to pass and i know i know there's a lot of debate about about you know signs and wonders and and timing and and when will this happen and what will you know what will be the next thing to happen and to a degree friends all of that it, it may it may be of importance but it is of lesser importance i just I'm moving to one side from what I'm saying for this reason. All of those things may be important, but they are not as important as the key message of revelation. And the key message of revelation is this. Be ready. Be ready. We need to prepare ourselves because the king is coming. He is coming, friends. And I know, I know that there are people across the world who are saying, you know, if there's a God, why this, why that? I want to tell you, the King is coming. And friends, will, the, the will of man will be put down. And his kingdom, his kingdom will reign. Hallelujah. It is a, a sober thing. We turn to, uh, we will turn to Timothy now, to Timothy. But this is one of the things, amongst the many things that will happen as in preparation in the days that we are living in now. This is what Timothy um, is told by Paul. People will resist the truth. People will resist the truth. The truth of the word, the truth of this word that we've been reading about in, in Proverbs. It says in 2 Timothy 4, 3, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will eat for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears from the truth and be turned aside to fables. That's what, that's what is, that is what will be happening in these last days. And that is happening, friends. That is happening. There, there are people, people want to hear everything good. People don't want anything that in any way um, puts them on the spot. Uh, people don't want to hear truth. They want to hear something that is diluted uh, from the gospel. 
Friends, I want to tell you, we need, we need the Word of God in these days. We need the revelation that comes from that Word. We need vision. We need revelation. We need uncompromising, pure, authoritative, undiluted Word of God. Preached without the fear of man, but in the fear and the reverence of God. It's what we need in these times, in these last times. Because, friends, that does not mean that as those who stand to bring God's word, that does not mean, friends, that we uh, can abuse that privilege. It doesn't mean that we can make unrighteous judgments on people in our care. We must always, always remember our own potential to fall and to fail. And we must always serve with love and gentleness. One of the most, one of the most challenging and yet beautiful verses concerning the ministry of God, the ministers of the Lord, says this, that, that the minister must be gentle. Be gentle. May bring friends, it may be at times that through the word we bring words that challenge our hearts, that challenge our position, that call us to growth and to know God more, that deals with areas within our lives but all the time friends we must do it with a consideration of the frailty of our own selves and with a gentleness of spirit that is the spirit of Christ I want to say of this revelation that comes through the word I want to look at just very briefly three things First of all, I want to say that the revelation that comes through the word or the vision that comes through the word will first of all reveal our need of a savior. When we understand our position before a holy God, when by the Holy Spirit we understand the love that he has that he has for us when we understand the sacrifice that he made to reveal the love of God into our lives friends we need every one of us if you don't know this this morning I want to tell you God wants to reveal himself to you he wants to reveal himself to you you may have been in church all your life Charles Wesley, Charles Wesley, who many of have heard of and the hundreds of hymns that he, that he wrote and books in his lifetime. Charles Wesley, who was born in 1707, he was born into a Christian family. His father was a minister. As a young man, he ministered, he ministered in the church. He went on missionary endeavors and trips but friends, it wasn't until coming back on a boat from one of those missionary enterprises in 1738 that he found the assurance of 
real salvation. If you'd have looked at him, we'd have said, wow, what a great guy. <laughs> welcome, welcome, you're just wonderful. But he hadn't got it. He, he didn't have it. The revelation of his need hadn't really touched him. But from that revelation came hymns. And I, I've just got a few words from one because I think it's just a, it just illustrates this. This is what he says. Long my imprisoned spirit lay. Fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke. The dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. He was never the same again. God wants to make a difference in your life this morning, today. God wants to make a difference. He wants to bring light and life into your spirit and life. Secondly, I want to see that the revelation of God, of his word, will bring the, the realization of our continued dependency upon Jesus. It will reveal how we need to live, how God wants us to live. God has called us, friends. God has called us to the miraculous. Just as Israel, just as Israel were born out of the miraculous, Israel, the nation of Israel was born out of the miraculous to a man and woman that naturally shouldn't have been having children. God gave children. He brought them through the miraculous. Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit. He was raised from the dead. He, was, he has ascended to the Father. And friends, we too are not born, as the scripture says, of corruptible seed, but we are born again by the Holy Spirit. He came that we might have life. He came, Danny has mentioned it time and again of recent days, he came that we might have life and that we might have life more abundant. I want to say this morning, abundant life, abundant life is not living without restraint. Abundant life isn't about living just as we want and doing as we please. There's a hymn that goes this, this way, just comes to mind. The hymn goes this way, make me a captive Lord and then I shall be free. Force me to render up my sword and I shall conquer be. See, when we, when we surrender, friends, we are surrendering to a life where we are subject, we are, where we are not our own because we have been bought with a price. It is God's intention that the spiritual person that we became at the new birth is developed 
as we walk as he wants us to walk. As we walk, friends, we will fulfill what God wants us to do. We will, we will align ourselves with his purposes and his purposes are good within our lives. Romans and chapter 8 verse 12 says this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we, we have an obligation. We have an obligation. But it is not to the flesh to live according to it. In other words, it's not according just to the natural things that we want to get involved in. We have an obligation, but it is, friends, we don't need to be a slave to the things that once bound and captivated our lives. We, we don't need to live according to that. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Giving her life to Jesus was just the beginning, friends. Just the beginning of a glorious and wonderful adventure of walking with him. But, it, but it's a walk whereby we continue to grow. There's never going to be a position when we feel that we've just arrived and we can settle down. Like Paul the Apostle says, I don't count myself to have arrived, but I am pressing on, I am pressing on. We will not, friends, have arrived until we arrive. I want to see thirdly and finally that the revelation that God wants to put into our life, the vision that he wants to bring into our lives will ultimately mean the revelation of another's need. See, God, God always, God always deals with us first in order that he can then use us for somebody else. Before, before friends, we do business for God, we must do business with God. We must do business with him. It's never God's purpose that we go aimlessly through our life to go aimlessly through our life, to be in that position where we have no vision, where we have no direction, where we have no revelation, we become like a ship that is without a rudder. And we are as that ship prone to shipwreck. When we have done that business, when we have met and God has revealed our, our own selves to us, when he has revealed himself to us, then we will be in a position where we can minister into the lives of other people and God wants us to be so. It was Isaiah. Isaiah, you just look at it in the book of Isaiah and Isaiah says this. He says, On, in the year that King Uzziah died, he said, I saw also the Lord. Just read it up, friends. Read it up there in Isaiah and you find that in that time, that before, before Isaiah was of any use in ministering into people's lives, before God gave him a revelation that would touch other people's lives, God revealed himself to Isaiah. 
And from that revelation came the words that he said, Lord, send me. Lord, send me. I believe, friends, that I believe with all my heart that God is using his church in this day and age. He is using us as the light that he wants us to be. I believe that right from the beginning, right from the beginning, when God created man and woman, uh, when he created Adam in his own image and out of Adam created Eve, God always had purpose for man. Always had a purpose for him. God wanted to reveal himself to, to man. He wanted to commune with him there in the garden. And so even when Adam and Eve had messed it up, God still came searching for them. God came seeking for them. God came crying out for them. And God is still doing the same for people today. God is still crying out for people. Where are you? Where are you? I want to ask you that. I want you to ask the answer that question yourself this morning. Christian, I want you to answer. Where are you? Where are you? Well, you know, I know we're in J28 church. Where are you spiritually? Where are you in your standing with God? Where are you as you align yourself with his word? Where are you as he wants to put purpose and direction into your life? Where are you? Or perhaps you've never made any commitment to Jesus. You've never, you've never submitted yourself to his purpose. You've never said, Lord, I am surrendering to you. He says to you this morning, where are you? Where are you? Where are you this morning? As you look at all this that's happening at this time across the world, as you consider the fears and, and the anxiety on, on people's faces, are you filled with hopelessness and helplessness? When God, God Almighty God, is calling for you to have a purpose in your life, He's, he's asking if you will just take him on board uncompromisingly not putting conditions and standards on him but saying God I am ready I am ready to follow you I know that I'm weak I, I, I know that I can't do it of myself but I am ready to follow you he says to you where are you Emily would you come forward Only you can answer that question this morning. Nobody else. There might be people like Charles Wesley here this morning. And you've been in church all your life. There's never been that breakthrough, that revelation into your spirit that has set you free. Not loosed you to do your own thing, but set you free from those things in your life. Gave you, given you an assurance of salvation. Maybe people who once were on fire for Jesus 
and fire's gone down. Fire goes down for a lot of reasons. You know, there's a number of reasons. One of the reasons is that we we separate ourselves. We separate ourselves from the source of the fire. If your life isn't burning, have you separated yourself from the source of the fire? Perhaps this morning there are people who say, yeah, it is time for me to stand up to the mark, to take my stand in this day and generation and be the man and woman of vision and purpose that God has called me to be regardless of 